Welcome back to One Winning Pod. We're going to talk about the preseason and the roster as we go into uh, camp. The camp just started. We got to watch the camp uh, from the stadium. And I think the coolest part about that was a laser and firework light show afterwards. (laughs) But there were some things to glean from it. I think the big thing we want to talk about this episode is kind of the state of the division, but from a Ravens perspective. The players we added this year, uh, the players that we gained in the draft, um, just like kind of a little overview and like where the surpluses are, where the, the shortages are, so to speak. And then when you're looking at from a roster construction, what spots are there really available in the team for these fringe players to make? And then like kind of identifying who these players are and what we will be looking for. Yeah, it's crazy that it's August already. It feels like Memorial Day weekend was just like three weeks ago. And here we are, beginning of August, and preseason starts next week for the Ravens. And all this is starting to come into focus. Um, yeah, stadium practice was a cool little peek that we were able to get into the current state of the team right now as they're going through training camp. A little hard to follow on the television broadcast, I felt. Um, it's probably You probably gleaned a little bit more if you're able to go to the stadium itself. But I still think the Ravens production did a good job with um, what they were able to show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we'll start off at the quarterback position. Um, it was great to see Lamar Jackson running around, looked very healthy. Uh, his movement looked like there was no issue with the ankle, which I mean, we expected considering, you know, that injury would have been healed by the playoffs if the Ravens were able to make it. But yeah, I mean, you know, not much to really say about Lamar. It was encouraging. He looked like he's always looked. Yeah, I mean, I think the the only question this year um, really is whether the Ravens pick three quarterbacks. Um, very clear, Lamar's going to be there. Um, Huntley's going to be there. And the only question is, is there another quarterback in camp uh, that's going to show enough for, for the Ravens to keep them? Um, but to be honest, uh, you know, we'll get into the other position groups, but there's uh, plenty of competition, uh, especially among tight end um, and running back. Uh, definitely a lot of question marks uh, in terms of like building the roster. One of the more interesting ones for me is basically uh, going to be figuring out who's going to be the uh, third running back, or honestly, who could even be one or two, because um, you know Gus and J.K. are no locks to be um, on the week one roster. I think both of them are probably good candidates for the pup if the Ravens want to go that route, either one or both of them. And then at that point, it's really, um, well, it's Justice Hill healthy enough because he also had a season-ending injury last year. And if not him, who else? Um, We've got a couple of guys like Mike Davis and and Corey Clement was the recent signing for the Ravens. And then a bunch of, uh, you know, training camp guys of, of people that we'll be seeing over the next couple of weeks. So, uh, I'm excited for this one just to see if there's any, um, you know, any one of these guys that are kind of going to uh, be one of the new um, undrafted kind of rookie free agent, um, you know, late round signing uh, for the Ravens um, who could who could really uh, show off in preseason because it seems to happen almost every every year that uh, someone new is going to flash. For sure. McCrary uh, made a flash in um, the stadium practice. He made a really cool catch. So that's another guy, you know, trying to get in on the action. Got Beatty. That wants to get in on the action. And I think there's a lot of uh, options here. Mike Davis could be a handshake, um, so he could get cut and then brought back. Um, there's a lot of options with the, the running back, but I do think if they keep three or four on the active roster is something to keep an eye on. 
And we're not counting Ricard in that. We're counting it more as a tight end in this calculation. Yeah, I, I would expect the Ravens to keep a, a lot of these guys. Um, we've seen with Greg Roman in this offense the past three seasons, he loves his three-headed rushing attack at the beginning of the season. So according to Dobbins, he's going to be ready for week one. Um, we'll see if the Ravens doctors agree with that or not. Obviously, Dobbins was not at the practice last night. But I think if you're looking at it right now, um, a backfield of Dobbins, Mike Davis, and either Tyler Beatty or Justice Hill being active on game day is what you're looking at for week one. If these rumors that Gus's uh, recovery is going slower than everyone else's is um, to be true. Uh, You know, Davis is a a power runner inside. Understandably, he was underwhelming with Atlanta last year, but you know, if we have Dobbins back, then you really just need him as like as a goal line back and, you know, short yardage here and there. And the addition of Corey Clement is an additional wrinkle as well. Um, you know, it seemed unnecessary to bring him in. Uh, maybe he's just a, a training camp body, or maybe there's something that they're not seeing with Hill and Beatty that uh, Clement can bring them, either from like a pass protection standpoint, uh, route running third down, you know, something along those lines. So it's definitely one of the more intriguing uh, position battles in camp and could have a big impact on the season going forward, you know, because with Dobbins, they're not going to want to overload him in the beginning of the season. He's coming back with this injury. Gus, we're still not sure when he's going to be back. So it's likely that a multiple of the core of Davis, Beatty, Hill, and Clement will have an important role in setting the tone for the Ravens' rushing offense at the beginning of the season. I, th- I think another position battle that's going to be interesting to kind of see how it shakes out. We've kind of uh, outlined... Uh, just in terms of our sort of like, you know, very, very rough draft, uh, 53-man rosters, um, that there will probably be around five wide receivers uh, potentially just because of the um, influx of tight ends that are probably going to be um, on the 53. So we have five. Um, You know, now the position group looks a little light. Um, Obviously, Bateman's going to be there. Duvernay, Prochet, uh, Wallace are definitely going to be the top four. As far as the fifth, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans out there were hoping that the Ravens are going to sign a free agent. Uh, me, I was definitely on the Julio Jones train until, you know, he got signed by the Buccaneers. So that, that dream is crushed. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the Ravens could bring in another uh, free agent, Will Fuller, uh, famously still out there, uh, still unsigned. He could be an option. Uh, you know, maybe the Ravens choose to sign him or someone else. Uh, or, you know, we might be seeing one of these, uh, you know, late ground uh, training camp guys uh, like Benjamin Victor. He's been around for a few training camps. Jalen Moore's another name has been around for a while. Uh, there's also, you know, a couple of undrafted free agents that the Ravens brought in this year as well. You know, really for me, I really don't know who has the upper hand. I would have to think that, you know, a free agent might come in, but at this point, not that many left. I'm not sure, you know, who would be a good fit at this point um, in terms of, you know, someone who could coach up some of the younger guys or, you know, be or would they be more of a contributor on game days? Certainly, you know, we're kind of at the, it seems like we're at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, but then again, I mean, the Ravens have shown and, and, and they feel adamant that they don't need to have a top tier uh, free agent to bring in. 
but nevertheless, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. There, there's a lot of options on the table. Well, to be honest with you, I think if you look at the wide receiver room, we do see quite a bit of talent. And I think, you know, signing a Fuller, for instance, who hasn't played a healthy season in a long time, hasn't looked great in the most recent times we've seen him. I, I don't know what that really does for you. So I'm not particularly like crazy about him. He's probably the best person still out there. So if that is the best player that's still available, I don't I don't want to touch Cole Beasley. Like I don't I don't think it needs to be done. I think you'll end up seeing a mid year trade, if anything, for a wide receiver. But I think they're gonna roll with the guys they have and pick up one of these guys, maybe even two, because even with the way that we have the roster laid out right now, two quarterbacks, three running backs, five wide receiver, nine offensive linemen, and five tight ends, it leaves one more roster spot. Uh, So you could see a six wide receiver. You could see a 10th offensive lineman. You could see four running backs. There's a couple options here of how they'll probably spread it out. But I think somebody of the group of, you know, Slay Bolden, Shamir Briggs, uh, Devon Williams, who had a couple good catches during the uh, stadium practice, uh, Makai Polk, who a lot of people are interested in. Somebody's going to step up. Somebody's going to become the clear number five. Maybe it's their special teams contributions that help. And we'll see if they want to go with the six. Uh, That could even be the free agent signing. So I think one of these guys is probably going to make the team. And then even if they trade, they might be the last spot. I will say I, I did like what I saw out of Bridges and Polk. I think both of them did Bridges. I meant I meant Bolden. Maybe Bridges had some good good plays too. I don't know. You guys can fill me in. But, Bridges did have a good play. Yeah. Yeah. They um, both they both had plays. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I both Polk and Bolden did. They, they their route running looked um, crisp for for where what they are undrafted rookies and. Um, really good hands. I, I know Bolden in particular did make a contested catch at one point. I mean, contested in these practices is you know, kind of loose anyway, but still it, it looked good. Um, I'll be interested to see what they look like when, you know, you actually put them in, in preseason action. Will these guys um, make some plays? Will they have a mastery of the, of the plays show any sign that they could be someone that the Ravens should stash on, on practice squad and, and try and develop in a couple of years. Um, you know, it, it, it's always hard. I, I don't know if some people are able to do it. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's hard to, to look at these guys in, in shorts and say like, Oh man, yeah, that guy, that guy's definitely, um, got a ton of untapped potential. It's, it's just hard without the live defensive contact. But I, I will say, yeah, the, the young the young guys, young undrafted guys, most of them looked like they have some potential, and we'll just have to see what that is. So, yeah, I think I think it would be great if the rate one of these guys works out. Um, but I do, you know, getting back to the veteran wide receiver uh, conversation, I, I agree with what Alex saying with with Fuller. You know, it, he, he's not that much of of a guy who who has. A ton of experience. He has more experience than the rest of the guys here, but I would, you know, I I know that this is an unpopular opinion among Ravens fans, but I would I would not be opposed to the Ravens bringing in a, a T.Y. Hilton or an Emmanuel Sanders as kind of like a, a coach on the field. For me, like I don't expect you're going to get a ton out of those guys from a statistical standpoint. If either of them signed, I don't think either of them is a game changer as far as you know having the de- any defensive coordinator. St- uh, 
giving them sleepless nights, having to, to game plan for those guys at that age. But, you know, we saw with Josh Bynes last year how that helped Patrick Queen and some of the other younger linebackers on this defense. And, I mean, we'll get to linebackers later on in in this uh, episode, not to jump ahead, but you even saw during the practice Bynes uh, pulling guys aside and talking them through things. Um, I think that it would it would be good to have the, an, a veteran presence in the receiver room. This receiving room is incredibly young. Devin Duvernay and James Prochet are the old guards, and they're going into year three. <laughs> is it really that big of a difference? I don't know, but I think you know it's something that the Ravens will c- certainly consider. Um, but you know, I, I think having a veteran presence in the in the room that is that young uh, could have a, a big impact on this unit, even if that's not someone who's going to have a huge statistical impact. Um, on game day. I'd be curious if the Ravens were interested in bringing back Willie Sneed. He's got familiarity with the offense. I know he's definitely a Lamar fan. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe not as much of a Greg Roman fan, but I right. think, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think if the Ravens were interested in, in a vet, in a vet that was going to, you know, transform the offense, they would have gotten one already. I agree with that. I mean, if you guys recall, I think we, we talked about this months ago, Will Fuller, definitely not on my radar. Not my guy at all. So I don't, if I were the Ravens, I would not bring him in. But I don't know. I feel like I'd feel more comfortable with a guy like T.Y. or or Sneed over a guy like, you know, Bolden or Polk. Um, You know, in those situations, I mean, we'll have to see. You know, the, the Ravens have a mold of wide receiver that they like. I know a guy like Bolden reminds me a lot of Michael Campanero. Like, not saying he's a bad player. He could be a good player. But it's just not a uh, a positional type that the Ravens typically go for, or have much success here. And so, I mean, when you're talking like you know somebody undrafted in that position, I feel like it's uh, it's a lot to ask for them to kind of like make the roster and contribute. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's definitely something. I, you know, the Ravens do this almost every year, man. It's just with, you know, with uh, you know, whatever position group is that they always bring in someone. Everyone's, you know, going into training camp preseason, everyone's like, oh, we got the 53 locked down. Everything's good to go. And then the last minute they bring in somebody or they make some, like, crazy signing that nobody ever expected. Totally ruins it. I fully expect, like, wide receiver to, like, that's a high probability for me this year. Well, next position group was certainly one that was uh, pretty exciting at the stadium practice. We got to see plenty of Mark Andrews. The Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews uh, connection is alive and well, certainly. But um, a guy a lot of people were talking about, we got to see a lot of Isaiah Likely. Um, The Ravens were lining him up in quite a lot of different uh, positions. They were giving him a a lot of opportunities to make catches at the practice. Um, Certainly very exciting to see our first glimpse of what this guy may look like in the offense. And it's looking like it's what we were, what we were sold. Um, at least right now, the Ravens are going to line him up in a lot of different situations, uh, really try and take advantage of his athleticism. And, you know, if this is a precursor to things to come, it's really going to help take some of the load off this, this wide receiver unit. If he can really come in here and, and be a effective receiving option uh, early in the season and for the, the year. You know, it's great to see one of my uh, pre-draft darlings, probably the number one guy that I kind of had circled for a quality of player to round cost uh, perspective. He was one of my favorites. 
Uh, we saw how he's been pretty effective out of like the halfback position and getting open and uh, making plays out of that kind of uh, part of the formation. Definitely want to see him under live fire. You know, it's all fun and games in seven on seven drills or non-contact. Um, I want to see him, you know, have to worry about being tackled because a couple of the catches <laughs> that he did, he would have been like broken into two parts if people could tackle. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see how much uh, body sacrificing he's doing come uh, preseason. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like um, I feel like that take that I had a couple months ago is, is really turned sour in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, likely he's really just blown up. Um, definitely somebody to watch for sure. Um, I agree with you though, Alec, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I feel like the, it, it's, it's always exciting for, you know, for the fan base to kind of latch onto players that look really good in uh, training camp. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just, I want to see that translate over for likely. Um, I, I want to see, you know, in the beginning of the season, is he going to be able to make a contribution? Um, until that happens, I'm still skeptical, but um, I do admit fully that I think it's more likely now than it was. Uh, <laughs> the puns just keep coming. Uh, <laughs> it's more. I think likely is more likely <laughs> to make a good impact now than he was probably uh, when I first made that take. But yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think the the good thing, man, the good thing about the Ravens double dipping at the tight end position in this draft, it really I think opened up. Uh, you know, a lot of flexibility for the Ravens. I mean, we just talked about, like, we don't know who the fifth wide receiver is going to be for the Ravens. Um, you know, if Kohler and Likely are both healthy, I know Kohler had a, um, I can't remember what injury that he had. Um, is it a hernia or something? Hernia, yeah. Um, if he comes back healthy for the regular season um, and Likely uh, continues to be healthy, I mean, they're both legit receiving options at the tight end group who can come in and do a lot of things that, some of these, honestly, some of these late round wide receivers can probably do, um, but they have more positional versatility, like we talked about with Coach a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, from a, a roster building perspective, I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, I definitely think, you know, that could help out a lot. Um, and it's what Greg Roman likes to do, uh, for better or worse. So, um, you know, I, I think there's definitely a place for, for both those guys, I mean, all those guys um, on the team. Uh, you know, the big thing for me is just, you know, can they contribute, um, you know, both in the, in the run and pass game? Um, I, I think, I think that'll definitely help, uh, their chances to get a lot more playing time to have that versatility. Now, from a perspective of like Josh Oliver or Polgen, do we think that they could make the team? Do you think they would want to use that extra roster spot for, uh, one of those kind of players? Or do we think, you know, if, Kolar gets IR for the whole year, which I I don't anticipate, but I think there is a non-zero chance that happens. Um, if they feel really confident about one of those guys, um, do you think that that makes sense? Yeah, the Kolar injury. It, it, my initial guess, I shouldn't say guess. My my initial reaction to Kolar, um, the injury news was that oh wow, actually Josh Oliver has a, a place on this team possibly at least to start the season, but. I don't know. You know, if if they feel good about Boyle's health and they like what they see out of Likely in the preseason, you've got Ricard there as as essentially a, a guy you can fill in as your fourth tight end. Sure, he's mainly going to be doing doing blocking, but again, like we said, Likely was drafted to be a, a receiver, and Oliver, while he certainly has 
tools that could that could turn him into a, a decent receiving option hasn't put that together yet at the NFL level. I I would still think even with the Kolar injury, he's he's very firmly on the bubble and, and a lower priority uh, as the Ravens would see. Um, but we'll see what happens as camp goes along. Yeah, I feel like he'd have to have a really good camp for the Ravens to consider bringing him on. I mean, he did come on as a run blocker late last year, uh, especially in the Steelers game at the end of the season. Um, he had some pretty good blocks on that game. But, yeah, I feel like he'd have to um, he'd have to really uh, flash, particularly in the past game, I think. Yeah, I think we have to see some flashes that are quite uh, surprising for either of those players to make the team um, if health holds up. So definitely want to see if there's anything there. I was talking with Ken about it. I think Poljan's the kind of player that could definitely sneak onto our practice squad and probably won't gain too much attention. Whereas I could see Josh Oliver with his draft capital expenditure and some of his other traits being a tight end that might be more desirable for some other team to pick up and uh, add to their team, particularly you know if they have some injuries. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, really unfortunate that Kohler didn't start the year on the pup uh, because now if he were to like, he can't go into the season on the pup and not count against the 53, they would have to play a game uh, and use one of their handshakes to keep him on the team. And um, we have like about maybe three handshakes that we could do, but uh, yeah, not, not too many of those to give up. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens wouldn't, uh, you know, dream of giving out so many handshakes like uh, Paul Hollywood, you know, you can't dilute the handshake. Otherwise it's not, you know, it's not special anymore. No great British banking so fans here. All right. <laughs> I was Oh, that's the guy's name. I, I, I <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. This isn't a baking podcast. But he doesn't give out the handshake often, does he? Uh, he has in later seasons. Spoiler gotcha. alert. It's it's a show that I watch every now and again if I walk in the room when when Alice is watching it. She might be watching it right now, actually. It's a it's a common go to for her um while we're doing pod. Anyways, <laughs> Now, my biggest problem with watching food shows in general, side tangent, is just like the problem is the food looks so good on camera. So I just want to eat it, but I can't eat it. I'm just like trapped in some dimension where I'm locked out of eating good food. That's my biggest problem with, with food television. But I think know. that's everyone's biggest problem with food television. <laughs> then why do they show it? It's just taunt. It's just, it's, it's torture. <laughs> why are you torturing me with food I can't eat? It's, it's supposed to inspire you. You know, you see food. I get inspired to eat the food and then I can't. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to inspire you to make the food, you know, get your creative juices flowing. I think the best ones to watch, Peter, is like the ones where they have like these crazy chefs do crazy things. Like they're like Michelin star chefs all competing because the lot of like the level of effort and the techniques that they use are, are things that like the home cook could really not do. So you won't feel that inspiration. And sometimes like even though it looks good, you're like, I don't know. I can pass. But it's like the really achievable home cooking stuff where you're like, yeah, I could totally do that right now. That's the one that gets me hungry. Noted for future cooking shows. <laughs> Choices. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of eating, the offensive line loves to eat. And uh, oh, that's another low, place. Low that... joke. Low joke. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Bro, they have to eat so much to stay that big and that strong. They work out so much. <laughs> they do. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, but yeah, we've talked about uh, um, Joe Thomas's uh, eating schedule before on this on this show. Uh, 
very interesting article if you stumble across it. <laughs> see well, what that's the- like when Bozeman got food poisoning before the game and couldn't play. He ate a whole pizza by himself. And that sounds like a lot to most humans, but the Ravens training staff didn't really blink an eye. It's like, yep, that, that right. sounds about right. Yep, yep. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like us eating an apple before we go out on a jog, you know? <laughs> but anyways, we have a lot of players there. Uh, this is definitely a place that maybe the Ravens want to use the extra roster spot and hold a 10th offensive lineman. But, uh, you know, you got Ronnie Stanley, who's looking like he's probably going to be good to go for the season, but is kind of in bubble wrap right now. You got McCarry, Phillips, Ben Powers, Linderbaum, uh, Zeitler, Ben Cleveland, if he ever passes the conditioning test. He passed and, it today. Uh, Check the notes. Oh, dang. He pa- checks it. He passed it today. Congratulations. Right. He got a certificate ben. and everything. Yeah. He, he went to the front of class. <laughs> I did it, guys. <laughs> he even got a tweet from EDC Burner. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm a little behind on Twitter today, clearly. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a busy day. Well, okay. For this, it's literally in the notes right here. I think Chris put it in here for you with a smiley face. <laughs> I don't even see it. Where is this? Like, legitimately, I, I, I legitimately oh, do not see it. Oh, it must have been deleted. It. Yeah, yeah. It was in the notes. I don't know where it went. Oh, it's on the bottom. It's on the bottom section. Public practice notes. Wait. Oh, come on, man. I put the public practice notes in from my show with Ken. All right, I'm re-recording all this. No, keep it in. Keep it in. It'll be at the end. This will be at the end. This is Off this is the bu- rails. Off the rails. <laughs> I'll put it at the end. But, uh, damn it, guys. This is this is how you screw me <laughs> up. I don't have to look at my own notes. I fucking wrote them. <laughs> I wrote the fucking notes. <laughs> but, yeah, offensive line. Um, this one's certainly interesting. I mean, shoot, man. There's like a dozen... Uh, a dozen people here that I think have a legitimate shot of, of getting playing time this season. Um, I mean, we have like... I mean, we have eight guys here. We're probably locked in as starters, but honestly, I mean, the the other three that we don't have, so Falele, um, he's a draft pick. I don't think the Ravens are going to give up on him this quickly. Uh, Juwan James, I do think he's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, it was more of an insurance policy for, for this year and next year. Uh, with the signing of Morgan Moses, doesn't seem like you know we need to have James healthy this year. And then... Uh, uh, Tristan Castillo uh, played well in a few spots at center last year. He'd be a good backup option as well. Um, I know a few people have probably thrown this around, though. Uh, you know, someone like Powers or Cleveland might not be bad from like a trade candidate perspective. Um, you know, those guys don't have as much positional versatility as guys like McCarry or Phillips. Um, I, I believe Cole Jackson, I think, has mentioned something about this, uh, probably with Powers. But, you know, for me, that. I don't know. Like I, I, I would rather. I, I, I feel like personally, I'd rather have, you know, Falele and then maybe like Casillos, like the tenth lineman, if we wanted to go ten lineman, um, and maybe get rid of some, you know, a guy like Powers or Cleveland, just just because of the positional versatility. Um, but yeah, it, this is another position group. I think that you know we're gonna have to t- take a close look at in uh, preseason to see, you know, how are people playing. And, uh, you know, kind of see, you know, more about how this uh, position group uh, shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think I could definitely see either Cleveland or Powers being a trade guy. I mean, j- just like they did with Bredesen last year, you've got a little bit of a of some depth there. And, you know, could trade there and, and get some additional depth as well. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, certainly a lot of guys here and... <laughs> 
I'll say this though. I mean, I, I, I think it was interesting to, to see that we didn't see, um, McCary, uh, or even Philele or Moses, even though that would have been way less likely, uh, line up at left tackle um, at all during the, the camp, which leads me to believe that the Ravens are feeling confident about Stanley's uh, progression this t- at this time this year. I'll just say, though, after last year, I'm not going to feel comfortable uh, uh, with that until I see him on a football field in real game action looking like at least Ronnie Stanley uh, 2019 light. Because... <laughs> You know, it, last year was just such a uh, out of left field. We weren't expecting him to be uh, in the p- condition that he was. You know, so uh, we're still holding our breath on that. But you know, I, I'm inferring from what the, the lineups that we saw, um, personal grievance we saw with the offensive line, that the Ravens are comfortable with where Stanley is. But uh, I still think we have to wait and see there. Another interesting part about the um, training camp, though, was we got to see our first action of, of Tyler Linderbaum. Um, it, it's not that we saw a ton of, from the original uh, positional groups, but now as we go down the list, we're, get, we're getting into it. It's even with each positional group, it's harder to gauge uh, terribly much from what we saw, um, especially, you know, given the nature of these practices are with them being non-contact. But um, I think that, you know, the early uh, signs we've seen from Linderbaum. I didn't see any snaps that looked off target. It's possible that he did. And I just missed him. Um, he looked comfortable out there. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know what more else to say about that, but, um, you know, we got to see our first action from him. Yeah. I think we'll have to see him in, in other kind of action to really say much more, but I will say, um, you know, Falele, when I watched him at the practice, I thought he looked a little slow out of his stance, and I thought maybe I didn't have as much confidence in him as a starter right away. So, like, you know, if injury happened. Uh, on the other hand, Juwan James, he was the starting left tackle uh, in the absence of Stanley in, in that practice. And I think that's where he's getting a majority of his practice reps. So I think if I had to guess, the Ravens are going to probably keep 10 offensive linemen. That's going to be the extra person. They will keep Falele and they will keep James. Um, and... That's assuming they don't trade Powers. But I do think there's a good chance that they try to trade a guy like Powers, uh, just given his cap hit of about $2 million. Uh, and the other thing is, James, there is also a cap savings, too, if they cut him of uh, $3 million. So there, there are options there. But um, after the Ravens restructured um, Marlon Humphrey and, and cleared up another $7 million, they're not really in that much pressure to make more cap space. So even if they did a trade for a player, they could restructure the contract. If they sign Lamar, that'll open up some cap space most likely. So there's a couple other levers they could pull for cap space. And, and um, Marcus Peters too is an option too. So there's a lot of things they could do for cap space. So I don't think getting rid of one of those players for cap space purposes will be the number one driving factor. So now if you look at the defense, it's a little bit more interesting in a way than the offense, as far as how do you divvy up the amount of players, because there's a lot of positionless football <laughs> that goes on on defense. Um, but in the general terms, you have uh, defensive line, linebackers, edge rushers, and defensive backs. Uh, that's kind of how we categorized it. Uh, from a defensive line perspective, typically they carry five. Uh, four people look pretty solid in Campbell, Pierce, Jones, and Matabuke. 
so Urban is a handshake deal candidate, so maybe he's not the automatic fifth. You have Washington, Mack, Crawford, and McKenzie, who offers the positional versatility to be named an offensive lineman, but really be playing defensive line. Um, so what do you guys think? How do you think this part might shake out? Do you think you're going to have to see a huge performance out of a guy like Washington or Mack for them to make the team? If you would have asked me before they signed Urban, I would have thought that was Washington's job uh, already. You know, I know, um, you know, maybe in general, Matabuke and Washington have been like maybe like a little underwhelming, but honestly, I've seen some good flashes from both those guys. Um, Washington in particular, I remember being pretty surprised early last season at how well he was playing. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not too, sh- I'm not too, too sure why, I guess, why the Ravens wanted to bring back Urban in the first place. It didn't seem like a signing that was absolutely necessary, you know. So I, I don't, I don't know if necessarily Urban is a lock, uh, but I will say, you know, Washington would probably be my guy uh, before Urban. I could see them bringing back both. I think, you know, we'll get to it in a second, but I think with defense, there are a few more uh, pub candidates here uh, that are a little bit more realistic. Um, and so I could see the Ravens maybe for the 53 bringing on six defensive linemen. Um, and then by, you know, week six, week seven, um, they'll have to make a decision of whether to keep one of those guys um, in favor of one of the outside outside linebackers. Yeah, I think Chris brings up a good point. Um, it, to me, it seems like the fifth spot is between Urban and Washington. Um, Washington is, is obviously younger. Um, Urban, uh, you know, it, it's great to, to bring another – old vet back, you know, it's similar to what the Ravens have already done with guys like uh, Pernell McPhee and, well, Michael Pierce this year. But, you know, he, he's 31. You know, how, how much more does he really have in the tank and, and how much more of a ceiling does he have at this point in his NFL career? Um, he was a great role player for the Ravens when he was here, but honestly, a guy who who's very replaceable. So, I'd imagine that the Ravens brought him in just in the case that Washington or one of these other younger guys, you know, they're, they're not ready to go with them. Um, you know, as this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. So then you, you can fall back to this vet guy who you already know what he can do. Um, I don't know if that's what the Ravens are do. I'm just, I'm just postulating here, but yeah, I, I mean, for me, just because Washington has youth on his side and like Chris said, we've seen some, some plays out of this guy, um, there is potential there. Uh, there needs to be more consistency. I'd, I'd like to see Washington get that spot, but the signing of Urban does make you question how much faith does the coaching staff have in that at this point. Well, moving on to linebackers, you know, I think we have four guys sort of penciled in already, same four as last year, uh, Queen, Bynes, Harrison, and Welch. I, I think the, the biggest question mark here is, you know, um, one of those guys in the end, Harrison Welch, um, you know, and there's a little bit more competition this year from some guys like um, Kobe McLean and um, uh, what was it, the guy from Navy as well. There maybe could be a little bit of movement at uh, some of the ends at the bottom. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is for these guys to make it at the linebacker spot. Special teams, obviously, I think is number one. Um, Harrison and Welch provide a lot special teams. Um, so anybody who does take that spot, has to be able to contribute there. But, uh, you know, hey, I mean, the Ravens have also, like, you know, they've, you know, they've decided that, you know, we're still, we're still waiting on Queen to kind of take that next step. 
And, uh, you know, it's a little, I think it's still too a little early to kind of give up on him. I know he doesn't play special teams uh, like some of the other guys, but it's still way too early to kind of give up on him. So uh, he's definitely a lock in my eyes. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing come preseason is just who else can step up and, you know, against the twos and threes, uh, who can play well on special teams. And then we'll see if, if they might have a shot at, at supplanting one of uh, Harrison or Welch. I feel like this is a, uh the prime spot for the Ravens to have an undrafted free agent make the team, which is no surprise because this is like the spot that the Ravens have done this in the past. You got Kobe McLean, Diego Fagat, and uh, Josh Ross all fighting for it. And I think the first two names there have the best chance of making some impact and uh, in the preseason and, and fighting for a roster spot. Now, for them to get it over Christian Welsh would be somewhat interesting um, just because of his special team's prowess and the fact that Co-Cap's no longer on the team. Uh, we might be looking at Welsh as that leader. Um, but I'm definitely keeping a very close eye on these players because I think they have the best shot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, you know, you're talking about Welsh right there. He was an undrafted guy, and, you know, we've seen he's a third-year player. Yeah, the Ravens like to keep these guys around. Um could certainly see one of them being a practice squad stash but yeah I, I do think you bring up an interesting point there that I hadn't exactly thought about but yes with the retirement of, of Anthony Levine and with special teams being such a big thing for coach Harbaugh uh, I think that it, it's Welch's job to lose you know I think he has a role on this team right there for him if he wants to you know grab it and take it so I'd imagine that that he has an inside shot there. But like we're saying, the Ravens, they put a lot of, of stock into these guys that they grab post draft. So, you know, if for whatever reason, it seems like he's not going to be uh, the guy or they can get more out of one of these guys, I don't think they'll hesitate to do that. I guess one question I have is, do you think the Ravens sneak an extra inside linebacker onto the roster and utilize the pup for um, one of these edge players so that they can fit them in and then figure it out later. I mean, it's certainly a move they could do. Um, do we know Bowser's timetable at the moment? It's hard to say. I mean, they're keeping it very tight lipped. I think he could That's be available I thought, yeah. week one, but you know, it's a level of availability. We saw what it looked like when acres came back uh, on a very rushed timeline. Like he certainly can play. He can probably play at a higher level than, uh, you know, a guy like Beagle, perhaps, but is he going to be so good right out of the jump? Are you hurting his long-term season prospects by starting him sooner? These are questions for the doctors, not for us to decide, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Ajabo almost for certain will not be available because he got injured many uh, months later. So Ajabo feels like a, a definite pup, you know, carry through. Yeah. That, that one's so much of a guarantee. It's easy to forget. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like um, if it's just Ojabo, there might be you know a chance for that you know maybe extra inside linebacker to make the team. If it's both of them, I think it's got to be another inside linebacker and probably another defensive lineman. Because yeah, I mean you know with with those two guys, like if you you know consider them on the pup, you know the position group is is definitely a lot lighter. <laughs> I mean, you had uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, you only really had Oway and Hayes. That was it, um, and a few camp bodies. Uh, we did re-sign Justin Houston, so you know I think he kind of slots in there as well. So uh, you have you know Oa Houston Hayes, 
Um, you know, Alec, you mentioned him, Vince Beagle. I think was uh, I think he was from uh, Miami, I believe. We signed him from there. Um, you know, he could be a guy who, you know, I think could be, uh, you know, a stand-in for, uh, you know, Bowser or Jabo, uh, at least for a couple of weeks. Um, I feel like the Ravens would be in a bad place if they had to rely on him long-term. Uh, I do think, uh, you know, those guys will, will definitely be here um, for the good portion of the season as long as their health continues to progress. Moving on to DBs, um, you know, this is definitely one of the uh, heaviest position groups. I think we had 10 outlined here. Um, a lot of guys here, um, you know, I think just a lot of excitement in general uh, for, you know, a lot of these young players. Um, Kyle Hamilton, for sure. Uh, Marcus Williams, I'd love to see him in some preseason uh, game action uh, as a Raven. It'll be great. And then we have some of the young rookies, uh, cornerback, um, you know, Armour Davis and, and Pepe. Uh, some of these guys uh, would love to be able to kind of see them and, and kind of how the things shake out in terms of, of depth chart. And then as well, you know, Marlo and, and, and Marcus Peters, just kind of where their health is at. Uh, Marlo, I, you know, I, I think from what we saw at the practice, I think he's probably good to go. Uh, I don't remember if we saw Peters there. I, I assume that we didn't actually. But yeah, I mean, there's, you know, a couple of question marks, but honestly, I think uh, I'm, you know, really excited for this group and, and just, you know, really want to see, uh, really want to see him in game action. Yeah, I believe we are still waiting for Peters um, to come back. I think he was held out along with Dobbins and Stanley, but yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's... <laughs> Funny how Twitter's are such a funny thing. You know, we're getting insight into practices that we would have never, you know, just even 15 years ago, we would never have gotten this level of access that we have to to players to see the rookies come in and and, uh, do their thing. And Kyle Hamilton uh, got got burnt in a drill by an undrafted guy uh, whose name is escaping me at the moment. And, of course, reactionaries on Twitter just saw that play and, and said, oh, Kyle Hamilton's a bust. Why did the Ravens draft him? But, <laughs> you know, I Hamilton uh, has had a good camp from all things that we've heard. Um, it's going to be really exciting to see him and see what he does to develop. Um, you know, a small thing that I saw during during camp doesn't terribly mean much, but, you know, it was, it was good to see there was a, a slant Andrews ran in front of Marlon, and Marlon went out and, and just punched the football out of Mark Andrews' hands. And, you know, we, we, we didn't see much fruit punch last year. That was something that, you know, whether it be because of Marlon had to change how he was playing because of injuries or, or what, that was something missing from Marlon's game last year. So to see him at least working on it there in, in camp was a, a good sign. But, um, yeah, th- this group's group is deep. Um, you saw some good plays uh, even in this non-contact practice. Um, but... Yeah, this is this is a good deep group that there's a lot of hope for that they'll come back healthy and be much better than last season. Yeah, unfortunately, Ardarius Washington has a foot injury, um, so I'm not sure when we'll see more of him. And he's definitely one of those fringe players uh, I wanted to get a closer look at. Um, you know, with the guys like Geno Stone, Brand Stevens, Tony Jefferson, uh, and the signing of Kyle Fuller is making it harder and harder for these players to stand out. Now, I will say. Uh, David Vereen was a guy that I noticed during the stadium practice, and I want to keep a close eye on. I could see him making the practice squad um, if he doesn't turn too many heads in preseason like he turned mine. He definitely seemed like he might be a quality player, so keep an eye out for him. But yeah, this is the one place where you look at it, really loaded part of the roster. 
I don't think we'll need Kayvon Seymour's services or Robert Jackson's. Um, I think we'll, we'll satisfy it with many of the guys we talked about earlier. Well, I think after this episode, we're all ready for next week's preseason game on Thursday against the Titans at the bank. Really excited to go and see how all these players play. As a bit of like a programming note, if you're still following the Ravens recap feed and have been enjoying all these episodes, cool, but it's now time to switch over to one winning pod. Uh, Definitely, that's the place to catch us longest term. Also, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, now's a really good time to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find it by searching one winning pod or looking in the show notes for the link. Um, Right now, it's just the episodes that we're recording, but uh, during the season, we're going to at least start doing games against spread betting show and uh just quick content you know maybe five ten minute shows uh that you know don't really fit our normal format might be just one or two of us talking just get ideas out there so definitely give that a follow and yeah we can't wait uh preseason's back football's back actual like 11 11 contact is coming uh can't wait go ravens